Keep it real, keep it real, keep it real, keep it real. This is your host, Winnie Brown, saying somebody had to hear this today. So, um, you know, I am a survivor of sex trafficking. And, um, and many have heard my story, but it's just not within the black communities that, that domestic human trafficking is taking place. So far across to our neighboring, um, one of our neighboring provinces, we have Linda Harlow's who has experienced, um, sex trafficking because her daughter is a survivor of sex trafficking. Um, you're going to hear how, because of her uneducation of human trafficking, how it was so easy for her to be manipulated and not understand what was happening literally right underneath her nose. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce our guests. But before that, I want to let you know that there's going to be a lot of trigger warnings today. Um, this is an episode I know that it's probably going to make me very emotional. So I just want to put that out there before we start. So, without further ado, Linda, how are you? I am good, Winnie, and I am so honored to be here. This has been a long time coming, girl. You and I, I guess have, something. <laughs> you and I have been in touch for a while and shared our stories with each other. So, I'm mm-hmm. excited. I'm ecstatic that you are are doing this. Thank you. So, um, I'm not going to, you know, ask you a bunch of questions. I'm just going to let you tell the audience how human trafficking affected your life. Absolutely. So uh, we have a family of four, very suburban family, community-based, church-based. I was a stay-at-home. My husband, like my husband and I have been together 37 years. Uh, So we thought we were this typical, untouchable suburban family. Uh, Mm -hmm. My daughter ended up going to a party one night that we were not aware of, we thought she was at a sleepover. She ended up getting drugged. She ended up getting gang raped. And due to that rape, she also became pregnant. The police, uh, the community, and mostly her friends did not believe that the, that the pregnancy was due to the rape. And so they ostracized her and badly. They called her all kinds of names, wrote things on her locker. Wow. She lost a ton of her friends. Um, and so the struggle was very real. Now she was going to be a single mom if she decided to keep the baby uh, with, uh, without having any friends or support in the social aspect. She had us, but she didn't have anything in, in her social life that was mm-hmm. to support her. Along comes the guy, finds this out, uh, just had asked some questions about why she was standing off by herself outside of school. Uh, ended up connecting with her on social media, slowly integrated wow. himself into her life. Um, and the number one thing they do is they figure out what it is you're lacking, what you're needing. Oh my God. I know. Oh, my God. Lee knew that what she needed was for somebody to believe her. And so that's what he did. And oh my God. he integrated into her life slowly, bit by bit by bit. It's all in my book that's coming out soon. But um, Yes. But it was... It was a slow progress um, because Samantha still was at home with us. She still had love and care and support from home. She was just missing that social support. And he started giving that to her. He started telling her not only that he believed her, but that he would be a father figure to her child. He would be there to help support her. He would give her that home on a creek bed that she was hoping to get. Wow. We have more kids together. And it took him a little over a year to finally convince her uh, 
sorry, I just got to get rid of this thing that popped up on my screen and close that to convince her to move out of our home and in with him and the baby. Uh, and shortly after uh, they moved out into their own place together because there was a couple other attempts that they tried to do that. But when they finally got out on their own together, about three months after that, he slowly coerced, convinced, threatened um, everything he needed to do in order to convince her to start selling her body for sex. My God. She didn't know that's what, what, what it was. It took her eight and a half years to figure out that she'd actually been trafficked. She was only trafficked for about three and a half, four months because one night she came home and she just saw him standing there and he was angry at her for Mm -hmm. not doing something the client had wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Third party person had gotten in touch with them. And so he was, he was really mad. Uh, And he was standing over her son's playpen when she came through the door. Mm-hmm. He uh, just started threatening her, her son. Wow. So she decided just to play dumb and stupid and, okay, baby, I'm sorry. I'll do this. No problem. Next time I'll be better. And what she did is she got him so drunk he passed out. She packed a bag. She picked up the baby. She called me and said, Mom, come pick me up. No questions asked, okay? So I picked wow. her up. She came home and she lived with us for a little while. But it took her eight years, almost nine years, to tell us about oh my this. God. She didn't know that's what it was. She thought she had just let her moral code slip. She thought somehow she was, she felt naive, stupid, shameful. She thought it was all her fault. Uh, and that's what traffickers do. They actually brainwash you into the point where you feel that that's the truth so that you do not go and actually report this. By the time she figured out what it was, she was she was working at an organization here in our province. Uh, and in that organization, there was a lot of police support. And so she started sitting one day just talking to them. And that's when she found out what, what it was. And because you, you need fear of life in order for there yeah. to be any charges brought against somebody... It was eight and a half years later. She had no proof of anything. Uh, She decided instead of of charging this guy or trying to get justice that way, she would get justice by starting to work with this organization and going into schools and start telling her story so that Mm -hmm. this didn't happen to somebody else. And so that's what she did. And um, following in her footsteps, I thought, you know what? I can do the same thing because realistically what happened to her happened to her because I didn't know what sex domestic sex trafficking was. Mm -hmm. I believe the lie that most people believe that, you know, they're taken to another country or at least another province or another state. Um, They're forced. uh, And that's not what domestic sex trafficking typically looks like. And so my lack of knowledge, my naivety on that, on what her vulnerabilities were in her social life mm-hmm. uh, and not teaching her what proper consent was. Cause she thought she said, yes, she thought she gave in not right. understanding that consent cannot be given if it's coerced or manipulated. Thank you. <laughs> so because she didn't know that she thought it was all on her. Mm-hmm. And so now I do what I can, um, even though Samantha's given up the fight because it was a year and a half of telling her story. And as you know, Winnie, it, can it takes a lot out of you. It does like, really you know, 
It does. You know something, Linda, honest to God, you know, um, I, I sit here and cry. You know, you've already told me this before. I've read your book. I've read your new book that's coming out. Um, what I want to ask you is, as a mother, like when you find out that this guy is forcing your daughter to sell her, like what did that make you feel like as a mom? Uh, well, it was eight and a half years later, so there was a big, huge gap of time. And so the fact that I knew that she was out, that she was already had done a ton of self-healing, that she uh, was well on the road of recovery, the trauma wasn't fresh for, for her. Um, it made it so that I didn't have to deal with drastic trauma because her trauma was pretty much already healed. Mm -hmm. so as a mom, if I had to actually have gone through that, when she found out, or if I had to go through that as she was going through that, it would have been drastically different than what it was. So what it was for me, and this is the part that I struggle with the most, was that I just felt inadequate as a parent, as somebody that's supposed to be there for her. Mm -hmm. um, because she went through eight and a half years all alone believing a lie about something that affected her life so traumatically mm -hmm. that um, it, it, that was the difficult, that was the most difficult part in all of it for me mm -hmm. because basically she was there to help me once I found it out and she'd already been through it and mm -hmm. lived it. Um, so there was a lot of guilt and a lot of shame. And as you know, from my book, I just decided I needed to turn our pain into purpose. Um, mm -hmm. The only way to cope with the emotional trauma that this that this uh, brought on onto me personally, because you know the mama bears are the ones that are supposed to be protecting our kids. Exactly, so. and I and I understand that. Um, can I ask you how did this affect like your husband and your and your son? Like how did they deal with this? Oh, it was hard. Um, and, and it still is super hard for them. They, you know, women tend to go, okay, um, how do we fight back? How do we fix this? Right. Men tend to go, it's in the past and there's not a thing I can do about it. So they bury it. Mm -hmm. um, they are, we have, you know, my husband and I have talked about it. What they all want to do is go kill them. Obviously, you know, that's right. actual <laughs> male instinct is, um, Let's find them and do something. Um, mm -hmm. But they know, first of all, that's not the Christian way to deal with this. And right. second of all, um, it's not going to fix anything. So they, what we have done, what we have agreed to do as a family, mm -hmm. is we don't talk about it during family gatherings. Okay. It is something that each and every one of us will talk about individually, um, like one-on-one -on -one with one other person if they feel they need to cope or deal with something. So quite often they'll come to me and talk about it. or But rarely Samantha. They don't want to drudge up things for Samantha. Right. They don't realize how healed she actually is. Um, wow. just don't want to drudge it up. So when and if they talk about it, it's usually to me, sometimes to each other through sibling to sibling. Um, but other than that, my husband knows what I do and he supports everything I do on this um, mm. in, in every way possible, you know, right. morally, um, emotionally. Uh, quite often he's even cooking dinner so I can do <laughs> this. So he supports in those ways. Mm -hmm. um, but he just, he doesn't like to, 
to deal with the fight, but he's yeah. glad that I am. Like it, it really yeah. makes him happy that I am, mm -hmm. but he's not the type of person that could do this. So that's <laughs> how we've coped with it as a family. Um, and my family, when they do ask me, mom, how is it going? Um, I don't bring this up unless they specifically say, so have you had any interviews? How's your book going? Right. So unless they ask specific questions. Mm -hmm. um, it's not that we are hiding from it. It's just it's, your coping mechanism for getting past this trauma. It's not. Yeah. And it honestly, there's no sense dredging up something that they can't do anything about. Ex yeah, I get um, that. Honestly, it, I it, do. Yeah. Um, and Linda, um, you, you just said that your husband supports you and and what you do. Can you tell the audience what it is that you do? Like when you decided, like, you know, that hit me so hard in the chest that I know there's nothing I can do about it, but how can I save somebody else's child? So what do you do? Tell us. So when Samantha decided she was going to speak in, in um, schools around the area, uh, that just, that hit me, that resonated with me. I've always lived my life. Um, by a saying that's in a song that Tim McGraw wrote called Humble. And in there it says, when you get where you're going, don't forget to turn back around and help the next one in line. And I know he was clearly talking about famous people. Mm -hmm. but it is something each one of us can take into our lives. And so when I saw that Samantha was doing what she was doing, I thought there's, there's a lot of logic in turning my pain into purpose. And so now I... Um, do the same thing. But um, her and I have started off by just doing some speaking engagements together, going around and talking about it from a parent's point of view and from the victim's point of view or survivor's point of view, I like to say. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> She's a conqueror is what she is. Exactly. Um, so, and then when she decided just to stop doing it all together, she really encouraged me, mom, keep going, whatever you're doing, whatever you want to do, just keep going. You're my blessings. You can tell my story. Um, you can tell our story because it's a family story as well. Uh, she's read my book. She's given my, her blessings on that. But what I do is I go out there and I educate anybody who has children between the ages of two and 25 in their lives, whether that be professional or personal. Uh, so parents, teachers, uh, doctors, nurses, um, anybody who deals with children on, on a professional level, like the, if they're educators, if they're teaching them ballet or swimming lessons or mm -hmm. anything like that. And I teach them on what domestic sex trafficking looks like here in North America. I teach them on what vulnerabilities a child may have in their life that can cause them to be easy targets for a trafficker or an abuser. And then I teach them on how to teach age-appropriate consent. So it can start at the age of a toddler, like two, doesn't have to be sexual at that point, all the way up to the age of 25. And of course, obviously, as they're becoming age-appropriate, teaching them how to say, no, you're not, you're not allowed to touch me. No, you're not allowed to do this to me. Uh, no, you cannot manipulate me. You cannot coerce me. Uh, I have a right to who and what and where and when somebody is in my hula hoop with me, in my personal space. Exactly. So that, those are the things I do. So I do workshops for that. There's a monthly one that happens that's free. And then I, I will go anywhere in the world as long as you get me there. And I, <laughs> and I will share all of this. I'll share our personal testimony. 
Um, I'll do my presentations, whatever it takes. So I've also written uh, two books, uh, parenting books that are on Amazon. But the one I, that I'm passionate about is the one that's hopefully coming out before Christmas. That's the one you read and gave me an endorsement for. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, it was my, hey, it was my blessing. That was, I was honored for you to even ask me to do that. Well, you're, you're a voice in this, in this fight. So it, it's an honor to have you on the book cover with me. So. Um, oh my God. You don't even know how that makes me feel. Wow. So can I ask you something, um, Linda, can you explain what domestic human trafficking looks like and not like the movie, you know, taken? So can you kind of explain that and the vulnerabilities and how it's so easy to be groomed and targeted? Absolutely. So there, you know, the movie Taken or The Sound of Freedom are both great movies as far as showing you what international trafficking looks like. Mm -hmm. And that is part of what human trafficking looks like. There's a big umbrella called human trafficking. Under the Mm -hmm. human trafficking, there's also like there's labor, sex, there's organ uh, trafficking, there's all kinds of other little categories. But Mm -hmm. sex trafficking is, is what I focus on and what you typically focus on. And domestic sex trafficking in comparison to international means there's no movement needed. So my daughter literally could have been trafficked right out of her own home. She was trafficked by her her living partner in their apartment that they had uh, just like 15 <laughs> blocks away from my, from me. Um, quite often girls are trafficked right out of their home. So what happens is the parents may not be aware of it, but they're picked up from school and they're trafficked from there or on the weekends when we think they're somewhere else. Um, they're not They're Well, they are somewhere else, but they're not where you think they are. Mm-hmm. They're being picked up by the third party person who has drivers that are driving them anywhere, usually within oh a province. So I know my daughter was trafficked all the way from Ottawa to London. And if you know, Ontario at all, yeah, huge distance, but they just for mm-hmm. one quarter and, and transfer her. Um, sometimes she would hit two or three cities in a night. Um, so domestic sex trafficking looks very much like a regular relationship. It can be a boyfriend relationship, which is typically what it is. And we call that Romeo trafficking, but it yeah, exactly. looks like a mother figure in this person's life. It could just be somebody who's befriended somebody because they're getting bullied or they just don't have a lot of friends socially. Uh, it can, it can look like a leader. Um, you know, this child is needing a mentor in some way in their life. Um, you know, a tutor for school or, or somebody who's leading them in something that they're very Mm -hmm. interested in, such as a sport, or so it could be somebody along that lines. Whatever it is an individual needs in their life that isn't being supplied somewhere else, a trafficker will come in, figure out what those needs are, they will fulfill those needs, and once they've got them and they think that this person is just the cat's meow, you know, this is a hero to them in their lives, And they start turning that back around on them. Then they'll start saying to them, you know what? All those diapers that I paid for, all that food I put in, I can't keep this up. You have to help. Or a leader will say, you know what? This is costing too much money. I can't help you anymore with this. You have to do this. Um, And we have to understand that uh, domestic sex trafficking can happen to any gender, any Mm -hmm. age. And then domestic sex trafficking can also just be online exploitation where they're, they're asking for pictures or they're asking you to do a video or uh, they're doing things like oh my God. And so then they will actually um, exploit you that way. And quite often that is done by threats, 
you know, if you don't do more, I'll start showing your parents or your pastor or, and it happens mm-hmm. all sly and, and it starts off very subtly. We know that Mm-mm-mm. evil forces of the world don't make it look. Aim, yeah, exactly. They make it look so subtle and we're only going to have to do this once or it's just a little picture. Everybody does it. Um, you know, everybody's sexting and sending nudes now. That's what everybody wow. does. So you can do this. It's not a big deal. And that's how mm-hmm. it starts. And I have a video on my YouTube channel that of, a, of a boy who ended up committing suicide within six hours of the yeah. first picture he sent because he thought his life was over because the people who exp- uh, exploit you will actually make you feel like they are sending it to everybody. Um, so oh there's so goodness. many different ways domestic sex trafficking actually happens. We are doing, I have a group of girls, uh, not just women, there's a guy in there as well, but there's two of us that are founding it. Uh, we're actually starting a curriculum to go into churches to start educating on this as well. We, that is marvelous. We believe because- it's going to be called, and I'm and I'm jumping the gun here a little bit, but we're, we're doing a ton of work on it. We believe it's going to be called the, the MICA Initiative Project teaching um, exploitation in churches. Uh, and okay. so it's huge. We're working on it. Or It's going to be about a year, year and a half, maybe two years in the workings. We need funding. We got to get all of mm-hmm. that kind of, but we're already working on the curriculum. It's all going to be done through videos and mm-hmm. workshops, um, very much like the Alpha Program or the Truth Project. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to be doing those, getting them into churches because people need to understand what domestic sex trafficking is. You and that's the truth. Question. Yes. You're asking that question because that's what we're naive about. That's why my daughter got trafficked. And mm-hmm. I don't want another person to put their head on the pillow at night with naivety being the reason why something happened to somebody they know and love. Exactly. And you, um, Linda, even now, this is 2023. Yep. And you're living in Ontario. How prevalent is Oh. domestic human trafficking in Ontario. It, it's Here it's- Ontario is one of the highest because of the 401 corridor. Um, it's so easy to transport girls. It's, um, you know, we typically, it, and it is true that quite often the ones that are getting trafficked are the ones that are homeless or drug addicts because they're exactly. very easy to, to get. And it makes sense. They, they need that next fix or they need food in their stomach or they need a roof over their head. Sick, and these men just know it and they hone in on it. But for the person that is out there thinking this can't touch me, this is what these interviews are so important for because mm-hmm. it touches us. It, it is prevalent here. Online, more so than anywhere right now, is where they're getting exploited. Um, and it's huge. I mean, the numbers, we are, we know that a fact, for a fact, that every 30 seconds a child is exploited online. That, wow, that's crazy. That's a huge statistic. Um, and we know that in the 90s, 90% or more are, are trafficked or exploited by somebody they know. So this is not stranger danger anymore. This yeah. is somebody that they know. And if they don't know them personally, somebody they know knows this person. My daughter's trafficker was friends with people in the school that she was friends with that had ostracized her. Uh, and he oh saw that ostracization and that's what he pounced on. So it is extremely prevalent in every city, in every town, in every province, in every state, in mm-hmm. every country, it literally is happening down the street from every exactly. single one of us. 
And it's some of it you can see it's obvious because we look at these girls on the corner because they are the ones that got traffic because, you know, they were homeless or they were, you know, mm-hmm. they were addicts or they, you know, they needed to take care of a baby and there was no other means for them to do it. And a trafficker found them and it looks like they're doing it voluntarily. And it eventually at some point, maybe they are, but we know we know for a fact that mm-hmm. most of them that you see out there that might be even doing it willingly now didn't start off that way. Exactly. So any man out there is going, well, you know what? They want to do this. No, they don't. No, mm-hmm. they don't. They just don't. And that's the truth. The options. That's the truth. You know, um, it's, I, I think about even for myself after all that I went through, you know, being a young, a, a, you know, a young teenager being trafficked and everything. And then for years later, I went out and literally sexually exploited myself. I didn't want to be there, but a drug addiction kept me there yeah. until, you know, literally I tried to take my life the fourth time and God really like, really had a, a chance to like work with me, you know, and you and I understand that because we are daughters of the most high God. Like it's because of his grace that we literally can sit here. And yes, we may shed some tears and stuff like that today, but like today, like even talking to you has given me so much strength. It has like opened my eyes as a mother because I've been there. So, and to hear you say that story and, um, you know, and it, and it kills me that so many people and parents are uneducated, you know, and ignorant to the fact that this is happening in our provinces because it's happening here. Also, like, you know, and just recently reading up on statistics, I read that, you know, Ontario now is the highest and Nova Scotia is right behind. And it's, and it's like, wow, like what happened? Because we have a lot of young girls that leave from here and they're traffic and they're, you know, they're moving from here into the New Brunswick and they're always a step ahead of the police. And I understand that like nobody wants to go to the police and talk about what happened and let's charge them because it's so re-traumatizing. But like, when does, I'm almost 54 years old. I'm still on a healing journey. Yes. When I think about that, I charged this man and he only got a two year sentence and in four or five months, he was out of prison. Like, when I even say that now, the tears have to come down because, like, I am just tired of that. I am so tired of our daughters and our transgender children being used and abused for somebody else's self-gain. Like, when do we as parents say, okay, enough is enough. And this is a big part of why I brought you on, so that people can literally see it from a parent's point of view and from a white woman's point of view and because it's just not a black thing and it's just not a white thing, you know, and it's just not a Brown thing, you know, because we have all kinds of, like you said, international um, human trafficking and the domestic. And when I even, I need parents, first responders, business owners, organizations to really listen to this episode today, because I am so hurt inside when I think like, Oh my God, like if I get a phone call, which I have today, so that's kind of why I'm a little tipsy turvy, you know, um, they need my help. I'm hiding away from a trafficker, you know, and I got to think on my feet like, okay, where can I put this person? Like, and because I don't have a safe space, you know, and, 
and yes, trust me, I have made uh, proposals to the government asking and no, it didn't happen. And I didn't get that, but I am not going to stop because there's a lot of young girls that are coming to me that I literally can't put them in a safe space. And it's not every time that I have people that I can trust to say, will you help me? Yes. And because those options now are running out because places are being taken up. Some girls have walked away because, you know, oh, my God, like I, I'm losing my life. That's how they feel. And I get that. I do. I truly get that. But when do we as organizations, honest to God, as business leaders and come together on and churches and like everybody honest to god and just say enough is enough i refuse to allow this to happen to my child i am not being that statistic and our children don't have to go through this when i think about my granddaughters man it scares me it scares me but no 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 i refuse to allow that to happen that's why i have women like you coming on and telling your story to be able to shed light from a different perspective like honestly like i appreciate you so much linda honestly like i'm just at that place where you know honestly somebody help me help me to be able to have a place where i can have a safe place for these young girls to come here in the province of nova scotia and i you know and i'm no respecter of persons but i'm really trying to help you know um a lot of uh, young women and young girls from my black communities because they don't have a black face like me to come and say, okay, I got your back. I'm out here advocating for you. They don't normally have that. That's willing to share their story without um, fear or shame. But I'm willing to do that because I know that there's many that need my help. You know, I get messages every day that literally I'm ready to see a therapist. I have to, I can't take it. I literally can't take the stress. And feeling like I wish I could be doing more. What can I, what else can I do? You know? So like, and it makes me so angry that here I am year, 32 years ago. That happened to me. Mm-hmm. Why am I still on this healing journey? Well, he got, you know, <laughs> two, a two year sentence and only served five months. You have a life sentence. So that's the way it goes. Exactly. Like, the, the, the victim or survivor has a life sentence that they have to deal with this. And, and, if you don't mind, I'd love to just pray for you and what you're doing right now. Um, Father, exactly. we just want to come before you and we need you to open doors, floodgates of, of resources um, for Winnie and everything that she's doing. And not just the finances, but uh, she needs support emotionally and mentally. And uh, she needs to make sure that she has ways to safeguard her own home from not only this happening to her grandchildren, um, but also from any other evil that, that is going to try to come into her life in any way, shape, or form because of the evil that she's disrupting. So we ask for not only protection for her, her home, her family, but we ask for those floodgates of resources in every way, shape, or form. And Lord, give Winnie a sense of peace, a sense of calm. Let her know that she is on the right path and that she has a job to do and that you are behind her and you are in front of her and you are beside her and you are taking care of her and her loved ones. We ask in Jesus name. Amen. Thank you. I appreciate you doing that. So Linda, I'd like you to be able to um, tell people because you're an author, not once, but two times over. Right. And you have a YouTube um, and a website. Tell people um, 
about your weekly or your yeah your weekly it's monthly um workshop yes or monthly monthly. workshop yeah talk about that so people can i want people to literally reach out to you and whether they're in nova scotia i don't care what part of canada they're in like you know because like i said this is just not a white and a black thing and this is just not a nova scotia ontario thing so yeah let people know who you are like yes and how they can reach out to you please uh, so parent with purpose. Um, I'm not sure if, if, I mean, I typed it in my thing, but I'm not sure if anybody can see that with in there, but it parent with purpose.ca because I am Canadian is my website, my YouTube channel. Um, so it's, it's YouTube at parent with purpose. Uh, everything else. Uh, my Facebook is parent with purpose. Uh, actually my Facebook is parent with purpose.ca. I think uh, LinkedIn and Twitter and uh, everything else I think is under Linda Harlow's actually no Instagram is an ounce of perfection <laughs> because somebody tried to hack me on my Facebook page. Ain't that something? And they ended up taking my, uh, both Instagram and Facebook away. They gave me Facebook back, but they didn't give me Instagram back. So I had to change the name on Instagram, start all over again with that one. But anyway, you can reach me anywhere, any, in any place, type in parent with purpose, look for Linda Harlow's with a Y. Um, and you'll be able to find me on LinkedIn, like anywhere. I, and as far as email, the best way to email me is parentwithpurpose.ca at gmail.com. So it's my website at gmail.com. So anything you need to know, any way you need to reach me, it's Parent With Purpose or it's Linda Harlow's. So I'm everywhere. <laughs> and Linda is available to do workshops, whether it's um, online or in person. Um, yeah. Um, honestly, you got me over here, like all in my, my feelings today, but this had to be, um, you know, it's been a long time coming that, you know, I, you know, supposed to get together, you know, but, you know, I always believe that everything happens for a reason. I always believe that God, when, when he's walking in something and his hand is in something that is not a messy thing. And that when it is of that appointed time, then, then it will happen. And this was the time for this to happen. And honestly, I appreciate you so much, Linda, because it's not easy to, you know, to come out and share your stories about your own personal lives and stuff like that. And to admit that you are uneducated, you didn't understand, but look what you did. What the devil meant for evil, God turned it around for good. So I thank God for your life today and for your family. And I thank God for the the strength that he has given you to be able to take your pain and turn it into a purpose. And folks, that's the name of her book. So anyways, uh, Linda, like I want, again, people, if you want to look up Linda on YouTube, um, Facebook is Parent With Purpose um, on LinkedIn, it's Parent with Purpose or Linda Harlow's. Um, I forget what it is on Instagram because you got a Instagram, new one. Instagram, it's an ounce. It's an ounce of an ounce underscore pre- of prevention. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so, <laughs> but honestly, if you if you send me an email um, on my signature, I have everything. You know, as soon as I reply back to you, you can click on anything and find me anywhere. So um, that that works as well. And the book is not called. Um, Oh, my bad. No, that's okay. My bad. <laughs> we uh, we actually changed the title. It wasn't that. I mean, that is my, that's my, you know, that you need that one second thing that you can say to somebody, what is it you do? Well, I turn pain into purpose. Right. That's what that is. And that is precisely what I, you know, that's when I hit my feet hit the floor. Mm. I want Satan to go, oh, crap, she's up. And so I'm doing everything I can to turn pain into purpose. The name of the book is called Walk a Mile. Yes. That Welcome. was good. Sometimes I literally go back and uh, 
um, just just read what you sent me. Just you know what I mean. Just to because I'm saying to myself because you don't even know you give me strength. Honest mm-hmm. to Lord, you really you really do. Like, and you know, and I may shed some tears here today and all that, but that's fine and dandy because it it, it that in itself gives me strength. And honestly, and you know, and you and I, it makes you make me feel like we've known each other all our lives. You know? know, and what people don't know, this is the second time that we're on Zoom together, but we you know, converse back and forth on LinkedIn a lot. So, and we follow each other on social media, but um, yeah, I just, I just want to thank you, honest to God for coming in and speaking today. Um, It really needed to be done. And yeah. And you won't, you know, you and I will be seeing each other soon. Absolutely. And in person, I hope soon. And I'm hoping by then the book is done and I will hand you an autographed copy. Thank you so much. God bless you. you God bless you. You, you have a good day, whether it's homework or play. And I just want to say to everybody, God bless your day, whether it's homework or play. This is not goodbye. This is so long. Until next time. God bless.